0: Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker podcast for Thursday, June 22nd, 2017, otherwise known as National Chocolate Eclair Day. Seems like a lot of these are food-based, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a marketing scheme. I guess, yeah, it's
0: all big eclair.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that eclair lobby. You ever try a frozen one?
0: I only eat them frozen.
1: That is the move, man. (laughs) That is it. I'm not they're a big like, do eclair it. guy, but I, if you eat them frozen, they are yeah, delicious. I, I don't
2: think they're part of the ketogenic diet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't had one in a minute. <laughs> I haven't had one in a few years, but yeah, they're good.
0: Only when you're in France.
1: Yeah, exactly. What are y'all working on this week?
0: Why don't you kick it off?
1: Me? Okay. Yeah. I've been, uh, destroying a bathroom for the past, uh, few days and <laughs> too many trying eclairs? to put it back together. No.
0: <laughs> oh
1: geez. I realize now what you're saying. Oh Lord. <laughs> not destroying it that way. Destroying it with tools, not my battles. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm working on this bathroom renovation currently, uh, as we're recording, I'm, I'm working on my whole, uh, led framed mirror idea so it's coming along pretty cool um everything else you know it's just kind of just i've been painting installing cabinet doors that kind of stuff so it's coming along nicely i am getting prepped and ready for my july to be pumped full of videos i've got stuff already on the on the back burner ready to go i've decided i am going to uh do a weekly uh, release. video release, yeah. yeah. Thank you for helping me with that. <laughs> no problem. Us uh, talking about it last week kind of convinced me. Um, that for some people, maybe having too much structure is like, oh geez, it keeps you from maybe doing what you're wanting. But for me, structure, uh, for lack of better terms, obligates me into working more. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I, w- you know what I mean yeah it's like Um, a
0: psychological trick for yourself it is
1: yeah i'll have you know what i mean it'll just be like oh man instead of just hanging out with friends or something it's like oh man i gotta get this done so i can have a video out this week so right um for my personality i think uh, a schedule is a good thing so starting july i'm gonna have a video every week for at least a while until i get tired of doing that and burnt out so
0: (laughs) at least one week for but
1: at yeah. least
2: one week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do weekly videos for at least yes. one week.
2: <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's the nice thing about self-imposed structure, is that mm-hmm. the minute it becomes confining, you can just stop. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's all good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm obligating myself until it becomes too much of an obligation. So that's, uh, that's my world. What are y'all doing?
2: I just finished up some more benches uh, this time. <laughs> I get a lot of uh, comments about how heavy a lot of the stuff that I build is. So I decided yeah. to uh, not listen to that and just build heavier stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so this time I made, I think, probably one of the heaviest pieces I've made that doesn't involve concrete. And it's just a really simple bench. And it's made from a slab that I resawed uh, with help from my friend uh, Christian Dunbar. Um we resawed it on a on a giant bandsaw over at the build space, and it was actually the first time I'd ever tried to resaw something that big, um, and it, it worked worked really well. Uh, and then I used a massive joiner to clean up one side and a planer to to finish off the other. And I was like, "Oh wow! Like I'm doing like woodwork." That is real word woodworking. <laughs> yeah. <working>. yeah. <laughs> so I decided to quit while I was ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um,
2: and just leave the slab just kind of like pristine it's just this big rectangular slab and for legs i got some some more chunks of i-beams and just made really simple legs out of just two i-beams so it's just two chunks of i-beams and then a giant uh 14 inch wide about three inch thick slab of heart pine on the top of it and it's one of those things where it looks so simple but it looks pretty good too
1: It does. Yeah, I know looking at it because I just saw it on your Instagram is I think it would even be cool to do the beam going lengthwise as well with that solid top on it, too. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options with that kind of combination. I never thought of using I beams as legs for anything.
2: It's cool. They were actually using them that way, too, was pretty affordable. And those Mm -hmm. those ones only weigh about 25 pounds for each one. So I think I got them for about just a a few dollars more than what it would have cost for hairpin legs.
1: Oh, wow! Um, but they're
2: much less common. Um, since I didn't need the flange to be wide, like when I made the whole table out of the I-beam, I needed the flange to be really wide, and so that made up most of the weight. These ones, I just need them to support it so uh, they didn't have to be that wide and consequently uh, not that heavy. So really happy with that. And But I also felt like mm, this it's sort of DIY, but it involves kind of unusual or larger-scale materials. Yeah. So I went and I just knocked out uh, sort of an alternative to it with a two by twelve. So it's sort of like I don't know if I'll put them in the same video, but at least I'll, I'll, I'll link to them or, or put them out relatively soon. So it's sort of saying, hey, here's a really cool thing. If you happen to find like a like a slab and you want to, I also like the thing with the slab because have you ever had like a big slab and you just it just sits there because you don't want to use it because you you want to wait for like a really good idea.
1: It's so precious you never use it.
2: Yeah. Right. And so what I like about this is that it's simple enough that you can use it but if you ever change your mind it's simple enough that you could reuse it for something else <laughs> right yeah so it's like a finished piece that's kind yeah. of still preserves the like i could take all three pieces to two iron pieces and the wood piece and easily use them for all completely different projects and none of them would be really compromised for that so that's kind of it makes it easier to move forward with that using like a rare or big piece of material yeah, yeah for sure chris what do you got
0: so I uh, put up the simpler wall organizer video on oh, I think yeah. Friday last Friday. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's been going good. It was funny. So I posted it on Reddit and it following our conversation from last week, and it actually got to the top of the the nice. DIY subreddit. Yeah. Um, so I noticed a couple funny things. So one was that I got a lot of com- or not a lot, but a few comments from people who were kind of like taking offense and accusing me of stealing the French cleat and claiming it as my own. And like I don't you know invented it like <laughs> yeah, exactly, I am like well, first off, in, at one part in the video, because the only part that's actually a French cleat on that thing is the back. The front is just I don't know like slats with pegs that are friction fit into them, and yeah. so I said if by your estimation, then I would also have to think that I invented the term French cleat because I refer to a French cleat in the video when I'm talking Ooh. about how I hang it on the wall, so oh, little roasted, yeah boom
1: paradox. <laughs> No. no, for real. It was cool though. You're taking. You're really taking to the uh,
2: plywood stacking
1: idea.
0: Oh baby, I think it's a cool look. No, I like s- it. Stacking that wood. Um, I also like that
2: it. it looked like something I could do. <laughs> <For> <laughs> yeah, <all.
0: laughs> it's, it's not bad, man. And then uh, so another funny one was people. So this is in the DIY subreddit. People saying, or you could just go buy a slat wall. To which I kind of said, "Oh, well, how
2: original." Yeah,
0: yeah. couldn't uh, couldn't you basically say that about everything that goes in a DIY? Subreddit? I mean, isn't that the whole point? Is that here's another way, or here's a way to do it yourself?
1: They thought it was the B-I-Y, buy it yourself.
0: I guess so. Bunch <laughs> of suckers. But uh, yeah. so you then, you showed them. I, oh, I showed them good. I got some <laughs> upvotes on those replies. Um, so... I made one minute videos. Remember, we were talking about that a couple videos for this. And so Mm -hmm. I posted it to Instagram and posted it to Facebook. And on Instagram, it does well. Like, you know, I noticed like a little uptick in in people following me on Instagram. But on Facebook, man, I get no traction. Like, so I thought this could be a good way to jump back into our conversation from last week about building an audience. Um, I don't know. Where did, oh, go ahead.
2: It just means you suck at
0: Facebook. I guess, man. This, the Facebook crew does not a. You know what it is? I think it's that stuff like that is clickable, not shareable. Kind of. I think you had mentioned that last week, Ben. That there's yeah. a. There, there's you can distinguish between the two. I think it's because shareable things are probably more like here's a new way to approach something, or here's a new way to utilize something, and clickable is more just like that looks cool. And yeah, I think I,
2: I, I, I fit into the that looks cool
0: more than the other
2: thing. Yeah, I think to, to simplify it, and I think it actually is pretty complex, but to, to sort of simplify it down, I think the shareable things elicit almost an emotional reaction, like a, like laughter or mm-hmm. just like, what? How did you do that? There's like right. an aha or kind of like mind blown or humorous or just so silly or infuriating. It's like that kind of emotional response, I think, is the share thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas often the, the, the things that get shared a lot aren't necessarily desirable. They're more just, wow. Um, or they sort of speak to a very unique pain point, right? Like uh, they speak to sort of an annoyance that a lot of us have dealt with. And the person solves it in a video and everyone's like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's that. What I what I do think is interesting to track on Instagram is sort of like engagement and um, and sort of looking at view numbers versus typical like numbers, and I find right. that my when I do a video on Instagram, it typically gets about ten times the number of views that I would get likes on a still image post. Right, um, and then comments are often uh, I think a little bit more on uh, videos as well. So, and then the other thing with Facebook is it's a crapshoot. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I launch things and they do really well. Sometimes I launch it and nothing happens. And then a month later, it takes off. And that's that's true with launching any sort of internet media. But I think just in general, as a good practice, you know, circulating all those things. And once you do the one minute short edit for Instagram, it's no additional work to post it to. Exactly. To, to, to Facebook. The one thing I do find, though, is Facebook can be a little bit trickier to get the thumbnail game just right. <laughs> uh you have to like post it and then go back. It's, it's like at the moment of posting, you can't always select the thumbnail. Um, oh. And so you have to go back and sort of go into like a video album setting and reselect the thumbnail. And it can be a little bit tricky if it doesn't accidentally land on an image that you want. Um, but going back to our discussion of audience building, I thought I would recap some of the things we talked about. Before
1: we do uh, that, I'm sure. sorry. Yeah. I just want to make a really quick announcement. This weekend, um, I'm going to be at the woodworking event in Skiatook, Oklahoma. Um, I realized I was supposed to talk about it last week, and I totally blanked and forgot to. So before we get into everything, I just want to say, hey, if anyone's in the area and wants to come out, it is Saturday and Sunday, right by Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you're in the area, go to VideoWoodWorkers.com, check it out. It's a cheap entry, and there's going to be a lot of people that make videos. Sorry for interrupting. Keep going.
2: No. Yeah. Oh, got to get the plugs in, man. Got to get yeah, those plugs in. <laughs> in. <laughs> if you're in Oklahoma, heck, if you're in the, anywhere in that Yeah, if area, you're in any,
1: Kansas, Missouri, if you're in the Texas. Bible Belt, come on down, baby. <laughs> go, go see Mark. <laughs> come on. Yeah, it's going to be fun, though. There's going to be a lot of cool people, a lot of cool stuff, so yeah.
2: Oh, and, and while we're doing some sort of plugs and shout-out, I wanted to, uh, when I was doing this last project, uh, The Bench, Um, I actually referred to a uh, video that Mark Spagnolio, the the wood whisperer, had put out on sort of uh, finishes Uh and actually used that to sort of drive this sort of decision making for finishing off the wood top. So shout out to Mark, the real Mark, uh, the wood whisperer, who who is a Weekend Show alumni. and. Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen that many of his videos. I was always sort of aware of them, but they are ridiculously informative.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah it's very mm-hmm. educational. He's like a teacher. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so back to audience building. Um, so last episode, we talked sort of about clustering, the idea of identifying kind of niche subject matter and then doing a few videos around that so that you have a cluster that attracts those sort of search terms. Um We talked about the difference between sort of searching for something versus share, sort of doing things that are evergreen, like a like a sofa, uh, which will just, you know, there's always people searching for DIY sofas or how to do this thing uh, versus uh, very shareable things, which are more sort of spectacular, visually unusual. Trendy. Yeah. The ones that I've had that have a lot of shares are like the Lego and concrete or like the spiral staircase, stuff like that. Um, We talked about the importance of thumbnails and also a little bit about how important it is just to uh, not follow other people's success models, but look at what makes you the most prolific. Because if you find sort of that, it may be you're really good and really glib and you can just anytime the camera's on, you have something clever and funny to say. So that's a competitive advantage that lets you be prolific on camera. Uh, if you're not like that, then don't try to do something that really slows you down necessarily because <laughs> it's going to slow out your, your video production. Um, but in the end, if you can produce more good stuff, it's generally a, a, a good thing. So some of the other things that, uh, that, uh, that I want to talk about, uh, were in particular with the things that Chris was just experimenting, which is sort of syndicating to other channels. And again, I want to preface all of this by saying that, Uh, If I say something has worked for me, that doesn't mean it'll work for you. And it doesn't even mean that uh, I won't change my mind and try to do it something else. This is all still pretty experimental. Uh, The platforms that we're publishing on are always shifting. So take all these things as interesting experiments that you should try and consider, but not as prescriptions that will get you hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. Um, But... The one that uh, that I want to talk about that I think is, you know, one of the things that is sort of that I have a a different stance than most of the people in our in our sort of space is on sort of syndication and letting other media companies use my video content. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for most YouTubers, they're very rightly very protective of their media content. And I'm not telling anyone that they should give away their content. That's that's up to you. (laughs) But I have, and I think it's done really well for me. Um, But also, the way I monetize my sort of media stuff is a little bit different. I don't do Patreon, I don't ask for, I don't solicit funds from the audience. So my clients are really the brands that I work with. Um, And, you know, so if, if I was to actually list my profession, it would be some sort of media publishing or digital marketing not necessarily maker because I'm not getting paid to make. I'm getting paid for the sort of digital side of things. So if that's the sort of job and why people are paying me, uh, I take uh, sort of a, a pride in craftsmanship of, of doing that well. Also, uh, I want to create wins for the people I'm working with. And one of the things that I found is that especially the bigger the company you work with, You're not working with the head of marketing, you're working with, you know, social media manager, or sort of a a mid tier sort of marketing person. And those people have really tough jobs, because they often actually know a lot more about contemporary digital media and social media than their bosses. But they don't always have the freedom to do exactly with what they think (laughs) is best. Yeah. So I realize that, so I never really complain about, hey, you should be doing this. This makes so much more sense. Why don't you just use all influencers? We're way cheaper than traditional media. What I do is try to understand what challenges they face in their jobs and what their sort of bosses expect of them, and then not only deliver that, but then give them a few extra wins on top of it. And that's one of the reasons why I like to sort of syndicate the content. Because I know I'll fulfill their expectations based on my audience and my channels, but if so here's an example. I've worked with Ryobi for three years now, and I, I consider a lot of the people that work there friends. Uh, if I was ever get married, there would be some of them there at my wedding. Uh, and they've been awesome to work with. I like them. Uh, and I also know that they have to sort of report to their bosses and they have to make their justify their decisions. So recently, they came out with like a hot glue gun, which is legitimately the best hot glue gun I've ever used.
1: I got one in the mail. That's coming.
2: Exactly. Um, So I was really happy with it. And, you know, I did a few projects with them, you know, per our sort of contractual agreement. Um, But then I saw an opportunity with like, I think it was like a a big Facebook group called like Five Minute Crafts. And I had done this like ping pong ball lab, really simple project using just a hot glue gun. Um, And they asked me for the content. I said, sure, just leave in the mention of the Ryobi High hot glue gun i did this content for him, them it's only fair so they did and i think it's done like seven to eight million views so i send that over and i, I didn't have to do that but i know it's like it's gonna it's gonna make their week a little bit better and yeah. they took yeah. a risk on me and they picked me out of a lot of influencers and they have a lot of options um so i know just sort of You know, going above and beyond and getting wins for other people. So at the end of their their weekly meeting, they can show show their boss, hey, by the way, this happened, (laughs) you know, and we picked it and we have this good relationship with this influencer and they get credit for it. The other nice thing about that is it gives you sort of numbers that are disproportionate to your own following. Uh, I don't have any YouTube videos with seven or eight million views. I think the highest is like five million. Um, So it lets me sort of punch above my weight a little bit and create not just a win for them, but also for the media company. Um, So now if I ever do another Kickstarter campaign, guess who I'm going? If it's related to crafts, I'm going to go to that editor and saying, Hey, remember, I've given you a few content. Here's something that I'm trying to do. And I think here's an angle. Is there a way that you think that we can produce some content around that that would interest your audience? Um, So in, in, my first sort of business, which was architecture, I came into this dilemma of we were doing sustainable design. So we're coming up, we were spending a lot of time researching these really great building details that would save people energy, carbon emissions and money. But we didn't want to share those ideas with other architects, even though it would lead to them making better buildings, which is good for everybody, because yeah. we spent all this time and I hated being in that position where I felt like my ideas were scarce And that I had to protect them when I thought that they were good. I just want everyone to see it and and decide whether or not they want to do it. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I decided that I'm going to take the business model of abundance, not scarcity, not because it's always the best thing, but because it's the way I can be aggressive with business, but still be happy about being aggressive with business. I can be like, you know, full on Gary Vaynerchuk, like, you know, going after stuff but not feel like a total asshole. Um, so it's like kind of like a it's like a conceptual framework that uh, hopefully sort of keeps me in a positive direction so I can sort of be a little bit more ruthless but still know that it's mostly going to be good stuff.
0: You know, uh, some of what you were saying there reminded me of something that I've always held to be very true and something that I've tried to practice a lot. And so you were kind of talking about, you know, when you're working with companies, giving them, I guess more than what they're paying for, you know, just giving them that, that extra little win, like you were saying. And so something that I've always thought about, and this can tie into building an audience, but I think it it goes beyond that. So even if you're not interested in building an audience, but just like, you know, bettering yourself in life or, or getting a job that you're shooting for or something, and that's being willing to work for free in the beginning. So a couple examples, you know, well, anybody who starts a YouTube channel, in the beginning, you're working for free, you know, you're putting a lot of time into doing things that you're not going to get any return for a little while. But for example, I used to be a graphic designer um, before I got the, well, actually, that's how I got to where the job that I have now. But in order to become a graphic designer, I had to do a lot of graphic design work for free. So I was at a job and basically anytime there was an opportunity to do some sort of graphic design work, I would jump out and say, oh, let me do it. Let me do it. I would do it. It wasn't in my job description, but it helped me to build a portfolio. It helped me to be a person that people thought of when they had that need. And you know, within a couple of I don't, maybe not even two years probably a year and a half it led into getting that graphic design position that i wanted so
2: i think that that's yeah that's a controversial subject and you know i, I think one of the most heated posts i've seen in graphic design message boards and architecture boards or woodworking is that sort of, or photography ones. It's huge too uh-huh. so often the discussion is very simplistic you should never do that or you should do it because that's how i got to where i'm at I think that the, the more nuanced uh, sort of caveat to both situations is there's good times to say no and there's good times to say yes. Uh, yes, I think that for me that the key is, am I doing work for other people for free or am I doing work for me for free, right? So when I started my YouTube channel, I wasn't it was clearly for me because no one else was watching, <laughs> right? right? And that's good and important because I'm driving the agenda. So I may make bad decisions that later I think are, oh, I should have just done it this way. This is so much more efficient. But at least I'm doing it on my own course and direction. Mm -hmm. I think the case where it gets damaging is where you're doing what somebody else thinks is a good idea that you think is kind of just an okay idea, but you're kind of hoping that you'll get something out of it. So I would say the times where I've done work for free that have worked well is the work that I've sort of believed in. Because even when it doesn't have the specific outcome that I want, at least I was testing my own intuition, which is valuable from an experience standpoint. I think what isn't good is doing or which hasn't been effective for me is doing work that other people are dictating and saying that's really serving them. And they're kind of saying, oh, we'll kind of give you a shout out or something like that. Those cases have been less successful for me.
0: Yeah, I've kind of had it go both ways where I mean, obviously, yeah. So the YouTube version, you're fully doing that work with what you want to do, basically. But like I've, so on YouTube, I've worked with um, like those guys that do the gaming channel. I did the the Xbox video, which was, it started off as something that was totally for them. And it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, but I, I want to be a part of it because I know it can help, it can help expose me to a lot of people. And I found a way to, I guess it's, it's just a matter of being willing to, if you have an idea that you think is better, speak up about it. And so I did that and they were totally receptive to it. And it was a awesome, uh, working relationship because it did expose me to a lot of people and and triggered a lot of growth on my channel. That was, I mean, if there was like any one time I haven't had like that viral video, but if there was any one time where like I got a big boost, it was definitely that Xbox stand thing that I made. Um, the whole debate about working for free, though, I know you do see it a lot in graphic design. And I think that it's work for free up and a point. But it's hard to say because within graphic design, okay, here's a good example. So <laughs> I got a comment on my last video where it was sponsored by Squarespace. And I got a negative comment about Squarespace. And the person said in their thing that they were a web developer it's like, well, mm. yeah, of course, if you're a web developer, you're going to hate Squarespace <laughs> because yeah. it's taking away a lot of your business. It's making a lot of what you could make a lot of money on five years ago where you can't make money on it anymore. You know, you're going to have to get into more complex things now really to make the money. So in the graphic design world, you see a lot of undervaluing of it. Well, Mike, you had this problem with, right? <laughs> when <laughs> yeah, you I asked when for are going to
1: talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, edit this out. No, no, no. It's fine.
1: I'll talk about it. Yeah. Do you want me to kind of give the quick story?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Go for it.
1: Um, so, ooh, this actually works out really great because today, man, I wish I had some with me. Today, I picked up the new modern build builds. I said modern build. The new <laughs> modern builds merchandise. I got that new swag. I got a I got a hat design. I got a couple of t-shirts. I got all kinds of stuff. Nice. Um, but to do that. Um, So everything I've done in terms of graphic design for myself, I've done by myself, and I really have not a lot of experience in doing that. I'm very subpar and all of that kind of stuff. Now, I could have taken the time and said, hey, I'm going to make a few designs and they're going to be okay. Or I can see if anyone in my audience who who happens to have any experience in graphic design, whether they just do it as a hobby, whether they do it professionally, whatever... Um, if there, I made a video saying, if you're interested in designing something for the new modern builds merchandise, um, yeah, I said, send it to me and then I'll, you know, basically pay you for it if I like it. Now I got in huge trouble for this. In fact, I got put on the front page of the graphic design Reddit board because I was asking for, uh, what's that, what's it called? Uh, spec work or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, with no intention of trying to get people to work for free, I wasn't even soliciting for professional artwork. I was just saying, if any of you guys are fans and think it would be cool for one of your designs to be printed as, you know, a Modern Builds shirt or hat or any kind of cool idea. You know, even if someone had a cool idea for like a beer koozie that I think would be awesome. I would have never thought of a beer koozie. I didn't make a beer koozie because no one had that idea. But it was just that thing. I was opening. <laughs> I was just opening the door for anyone that had ideas. That's all it was. If no one had a good idea then I would have just either done it myself or hired someone. Yeah, I understand that. But there were some really awesome designs. Some really cool people uh, with a lot better design experience than I had sent me some killer designs that I wish I could have printed all of them. But to those people, I said, hey, I really appreciate the time. I'm sorry that I can't, you know, print everything. And I appreciate the work you did. Um, but for the person that I ended up working with, I now have like a graphic designer. I have a guy that I can go to now that I never right. would have met. The guy's in Indonesia. How would I have like gotten in contact with this guy, right? Right. Um, so through this whole weird thing that I'm doing a bad job of explaining, I was connected uh. to someone I never would have been able to be connected well, to who has a really great talent that, you know... Is, he's also not professional. He's doing like what it's, you were talking about, Chris, when you were talking yeah. about just a couple of minutes ago, just like he was wanting to build a portfolio. He's just right. getting into the game. That's what he's mm-hmm. doing as well. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, whenever I do my like little push for, you know, I'll make a little video saying I have new merch. This is what it looks like. Obviously, I'm going to give him a huge shout out. Obviously, I'm going right. to also shout out some of the other people that made really cool designs to hopefully... You know make up for the fact that yes I didn't you know buy designs from them So yeah it's a weird it's a weird world And I got a lot of heat for it Is I guess the whole gist of it um, well, <laughs> I got a lot of heat for it And I learned my yeah. lesson
0: apparently. I mean people doing it it's going to be something That it it always will be Because it's kind of a like a mexican standoff situation that's mm-hmm. where you know three people are all pointing a gun at each other whatever and it's as soon as one person fires everybody fires yeah so it's a type of thing that can only work if everybody agrees not to do it exactly right. there's always going to be someone who's going to do it so then now you have to do it and you get to a point where you don't have to do it mm-hmm. but when you're you're in the beginning you kind of do you have to you have to hustle and, and do things for free to to try to get noticed. Exactly.
1: And that's what I thought it would was, it would be a cool opportunity for someone that could make cool designs to maybe, maybe someone else that watches me wants a cool design. Maybe they can go to him now. And also I wasn't going to go. The big argument that people were saying is if you want graphic design, go out and find a graphic designer and blah, 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 blah. I totally understand that, but I wasn't even going to go to a graph. I was just going to do it myself. And then I opened it up to anyone that was interested um, So it's not like I was taking business away from anyone by, quote unquote, offering spec work. Right. I was just trying to see if anyone had some neat ideas. And right. it just I, it kind of backfired on me and it, it caught me so
2: off guard. I, I actually think that what people are objecting to is what in your in this case was a little bit of honest naivete. Yeah. And yeah. when I see these sort of posts, uh, I see them in architecture, photography, graphic design. All these kind of things. What I think is often most offensive to people is the obliviousness of the person posting that what they do is valuable, time-consuming, and takes real skill. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And it's not so much they're objecting to the specific transaction. They're objecting to the, the obliviousness and just thinking that, like I saw a post recently of someone saying, hey, I'm looking for a wedding photographer and I'll guarantee you that I get you like a thousand likes on Facebook. And they're saying like, That has very little value. Right. What I do has more value. So they weren't objecting that someone was saying, "Hey, do any of my friends want to do the do the photography?" Because I don't have any money, and we, you know, we're trying to buy a house. People wouldn't object to that. I think what they're objecting to is the asking for something that they know has value uh, in a way that they think that the person asking doesn't respect that value. And I think that's where the offensiveness comes. But if you like, so I think like it's not. I don't think you should have the takeaway be you should never ask the audience to help you design something. I think that's actually the reverse is true. People like I mean I think the two by four challenge the two two by four challenge shows that is that people want to participate and design things and be back and forth and and inspire each other. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the the where the phrasing and the sensitivity is acknowledging the value of what they're bringing to the table. Uh, and saying that and uh uh sort of leading with that I think would have saved you some of that grief, even if you ended up asking for the exact same thing. No,
1: you're right. Um, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but that's that's good. That's 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 how we all life learn this stuff. Life yeah.
1: lessons. Yeah. Um, right.
2: And I wish I was getting these lessons when I was your age. Like that's <laughs> phenomenal. Like you're putting <laughs> yourself in like a great position to have these experiences with people that are turning out good. Yeah. Um, So I think that's just a thing is is whenever you ask something of somebody, really understand what you're asking for is research that ask before you pull the trigger on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, An example uh, that I think segues into the the next thing I want to talk about, which is sort of why you want to build an audience, which I think is a good question before you look at how you build an audience, is I talk to a lot of the people that uh, do the marketing for a lot of the brands that I work with. And every single day, they get approached with asks people saying, Hey, I'll give you a shout out. Give me free stuff. Pay me this. Pay me this. And not just like image, uh, influencers like us, but like legit, like sort of mainstream celebrities. So I was talking to some marketing people, and they had like a bunch of professional athletes saying, Oh, I just bought a house and I'm remodeling it. Will you provide all the things? And I'll mention it on Instagram. Like, they're getting this every day from people with not just a million followers, but with people with multiple millions of followers. Right. So they're trying to filter out all these things. And what they find, their version of what they get sort of annoyed at, is they like it when influencers reach out to them. What they get annoyed by is when influencers reach out that are super entitled. Mm Mm-hmm. And Hmm. they'll tell me, like, you know, stories about how something goes, I have this many followers and I would like this much (laughs) money per video. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know what? Yeah. But we have like 50 people that have sent us that email today. Uh, You know, like there are thousands of people with a lot. You know, uh, I was looking at there's like 140,000 people with over 100,000 Instagram followers. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I know for like, you know, for YouTube, I don't think I'm in the, I think I'm in the top 10,000, but I'm not in the top Mm 5,000, right? There's like more than 5,000 more people with more followers than me. And again, I think that's where it comes back to making wins for other people. There's always somebody with a bigger audience and that person is probably asking for things from the same brands as you are. So the question isn't who has the most followers and who this is, who's easy to work with and who helps that person. Not just that company, but helps that person within that company elevate. Right? I love it when I see people that I started working with a few years ago sort of moving up the ranks in the companies that I work with. I feel like I'm, I have like a like a teamwork kind of thing. It's like we're on like a fast break and it's just touch passes <laughs> back and forth, and we're both elevating uh, because of it. And I think that's like, I think that's also a hard thing for influencers and people in our situation to have as a mindset, because we work alone a lot. Mm -hmm. and We tend to think of ourselves in our own little kingdom. We pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. We built this little fortress of followers that now gives us really nice options in life. And I think we can get a little bit too full of ourselves sometimes. And we see big numbers, or big relative to what we do, and we kind of forget that any brand can just take any video and spend a little bit of money on Facebook and get just as many views. Right Now they probably won't be as good, but their bosses may not know the difference. So that's what we're really up against. Right. So I want all all the weapons on my side. So when I go to, to uh, and I wanna keep the brands that I work with because I hate doing sales. I hate like trying to start new relationships. So I just wanna have really good ones with other ones. So I wanna build my audience so I can keep funneling uh, more traffic to them, but I also want to try to create these wins outside of it. So that's leading to sort of why you should want to build an audience, which I often think people just decide that they want an audience before they have an idea of what they want to have that audience for. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in your sort of interview, Chris, with Mark, he sort yeah. of mentioned about the sort of type of audience that you know he's created and, and with his business model of, of the guild and things like that.
0: Yeah, like the funnel.
2: Right, he's he's developing a very specific type that has really strong expectations, which is going to allow him to have really strong brand relationships, funneling through, you know uh, information and product uh, suggestions to that to that group. So, having a big audience is great, but uh, it's helpful to have a reason f- for knowing why you want that audience in the first place.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of what audience do you want to build? So to go back to your point of all these people with huge numbers, this will be a a kind of stupid example, but let's say that you wanted to be the authority on uh, 3D printing or whatever on Mm -hmm. YouTube, right? And so you built up an audience of 25,000 people. So what is the value of those 25,000 of your followers compared to 25 million or 250 million of kim kardashian's followers when it comes to 3d printing so that's kind of what the funnel is talking about is this this we focus on the size of the audience but it's really more about who that audience is and saying that a small audience can be extremely valuable as you drill down further and further into niches basically
2: yeah, I, I was talking to uh, Inventables, which is which is you know one of my sponsors. It makes CNC machines, and their the the influence it, their their most effective influencer is one of their smallest ones. But mm-hmm. he only really talks about CNC and stuff, and they've worked with some really big influencers that haven't really sold very right. many machines, if any, for them. Um, and so that's something I you know that I that I try to listen to because. I know that at the for any sizable con- uh, company, at the end of every year, they're going to have to like sort of report on what they did and what worked and what didn't work. Yeah, And most of these companies are working with multiple influencers. So I know that if I constantly nickel and dime to try to get the most amount of money, if I look at all these charts, and, okay, people with this many subscribers are charging this much per video, so I need to get exactly that much Uh I know that that actually puts me in a really vulnerable spot when it comes to renewing my contract for the following year, because I want I want them when they look and they review at the end of the year to be like, oh, wow, we got return on the investment for Ben. Oh, we didn't do so much on these other influencers, because I know if that's the case, guess who they're going to come back and renew the contract with, which uh, where I don't have to do another sales cycle, a whole nother presentation. Um, so I don't always want to be at the leading edge of getting the most money what I want to do is pay my bills have fun doing it earn a healthy living and be the one that's not going to get cut first um, <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and, swim faster than the shark or no yeah, swim faster um, than the person you're swimming next to that's what it is exactly right. <laughs> or yeah the, I was not with bears <laughs> bear.
2: but it works with sharks too swim faster um, than the bear swim so the faster than the bear yeah that's what it is. The other thing with sort of uh, with audience type versus size is, you know, if if you, I think I think they're different on different platforms. The our podcast audience is smaller than our YouTube audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've gotten so much more feedback from the podcast proportional to the amount of listeners than I have for anything else that I've done.
1: Oh, big time. Right. Mm hmm.
2: Like, a lot of, like, direct messages and stuff on Instagram and, uh, you know, people complaining about Mark Nisky. No, oh, uh, geez. Dang <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, no, it's – but it's because we're talking in depth. They're seeing a different side of our personalities. We're going deeper on subject matter. Um, and I think we're coming across more as humans rather than just people, you know, flashes of humanity making stuff. Right. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's a lot more intimate of a relationship where you're more like in the club or whatever when you're listening to this than just viewing something. And you could tell from like all the comments we get, have all the inside jokes and everything. Like people feel like they're part of something.
2: Right. They know that we just hate Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> they know it, man.
0: Old Western sizzler for for the win. It's just, yeah. Yeah. You got to get that Applebee's dig in there, right?
1: I know we almost went a whole podcast without talking bad about them
0: that wouldn't be right when we have
2: a meetup it, it like it should be like at applebees we
1: should that's oh what it's going to be at say. applebees it has to it's be it's going to be at tgi fridays that's the whole thing they've been secretly paying us under the table to talk bad about applebees
0: <laughs> yep we uh actually got a voicemail question that kind of touched on the building an audience thing from last week should we should we play yeah, that we should Let's do it. Okay. yeah all right
2: Hey, how's it going? I guess i got to make this short, but you guys made a a, um, podcast on audience and how to make an audience and build an
0: audience. And I was wondering, um, you guys touched on the thumbnails, but you don't touch on what you do to keep the audience intertwined in the video for the full seven or eight minutes. So for me, I think music and sound is really important. And I was kind of hoping you guys would go over the sound that you need and the music that you should use or shouldn't use or where to get these things from and even get maybe the, um, where you get your editing software, what software you use and all that other good fun stuff. Appreciate the podcast guys. Have a good one.
2: Okay, so the best way I have found to keep an audience engaged in a five-minute video is to make it a three-minute video. No, that's, that's so a good true. Point. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so you just think of that right not, now. That's a clever, clever I'm, way I'm to put not it. Not the best person to, to, to ask with that, um, but I think uh, pacing is 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 one thing. Um, I found that the I've done a few videos that length, and the sort of uh, how many things are happening is is uh, I think uh, contributes to that. If I look at the ones where there's more viewer fall off versus other ones, um, the, the videos that have had good retention are like my recent sort of uh, sort of half year update where it has, it doesn't have the most views because I say very clearly not a project video, Yeah, but the people that are watching it are watching most of it, if not all of it. Um, and I think it's cause it's very quickly paced. There's not a lot of filler Uh, When I've done longer building projects, um, I think my projects are pretty simple. So there might not be enough sort of instructional material to really hold people for eight minutes. Um, I've seen a little bit of fall off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that there should be no such thing as a seven or eight minute video going into it. That should only be determined once the video's done. So it does kind of have to do with how much content is there? How much is there to talk about? So like, you know, my videos, they, the project videos range from like, you know, usually six minutes on the short side to maybe approaching like, you know, 14, 15 minutes on the long side. And I don't know how long the video is going to be as I'm filming it. It's only once I sit down and look at the footage and say, okay, here's the things I need to explain. And then as I'm building the video up, I still don't know how long it's going to be. So it's really more of just a matter of how to keep them engaged into the next thing and now into the next thing and now into the next thing and just focusing on keeping it an engaging thing and then however it long however long it ends up being is how long it ends up being.
2: The other thing to remember too is that just because uh, our digital metrics aren't always telling the whole story too, right? Because there's some TV shows, like when I watch Game of Thrones, it's mm-hmm. like I'm paying attention, <laughs> right? right. Like if I was, Like if it's a new episode, whereas if like, I'm like kind of falling asleep and there's like an a, like law and orders on in the background i'm like paying attention to maybe like it could be on for the whole episode but i'm only right. paying attention to like 20 percent of it we um, need like
0: brain implants so that we can figure out that concentration right, there's, metrics
2: there's that sort of like ambient versus you know sort of you know wrapped focus uh-huh. i also find that a lot of people sometimes watch videos without sound uh, they don't always have their headphones that they're watching on their phone they have a good chance of having this, the the sound turned off unless they're one of those assholes that like sits on the subway or the bus like just blaring <laughs> whatever they're watching like out of their iPhone like don't be that guy that guy sucks um, but uh, there's definitely different types of of watching and I think the you know where, where sort of consistency uh, does come into play is sort of setting expectations for how they're going to settle down and watch the things. Uh, when, if I'm watching one of your videos, Chris, like it's more, it's like, Oh, okay. I'm like, going to have a cup of coffee yeah. kind of like, you know, it's hang an out. event, right? <laughs> you don't, you don't produce as many of them and it's, I have an expectation for about this going to take a little bit longer than one of Mike's videos. Yeah. Uh, whereas Mike's videos, I could be like, Oh, I got to send you, Oh, I'll just put this on another screen, like knock it out real quick. Exactly. Um, yeah. so they're, they're just different. They're both good. It's like, I don't want to only watch TV shows and never watch movies. It's just, I have different expectations for each one.
0: Yep. About uh, uh So for the other part of that question about like the music, music. And, the, and the editing software, I think those are all kinds of things that, I mean, just use whatever works for you. I don't think there's one right answer. For me, obviously, I want to have that kind of like calm effect with my music. So the acoustic improvised guitar made sense. I happen to play guitar and have a friend who's really good at it. And he's the one who does the, the bulk of the music. So, you know, it just worked out, but obviously that would not be a smart decision if you don't have access to those things, but there's not one right answer. I mean, I would just look at what you have available to you and make a good decision. And I don't think that those are necessarily make or break things. Same thing with the editing software. I mean, if you're just starting off and you haven't edited before, go with something simple iMovie or I don't know whatever like the windows equivalent of that would be um I personally use adobe premiere because I had had experience editing before and there's more things you can do with it I get it for free Mm -hmm. through work so (laughs) otherwise I would probably use final cut because it's cheaper
1: yeah that's what I use yeah and I mean everything I do in final cut 90% of it can be done in iMovie too so like, we're not making crazy produced videos. 90% of everything I'm doing is just cutting from one thing to the next with a voiceover and yeah. music. That's, and it, you can that's do that the way the it phone. should be,
0: man. Keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. And on the, Keep it simple and on the, the note of
1: music, um, if someone's out, like, out there thinking about starting a channel, don't use stuff from the YouTube audio library. And I only say that because you have... Okay, so here's, here's my thought press process when I went into it is I used the same song for like 30 videos yeah. straight. And I realized... I could hum it right now. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna. But it kind of worked twofold, right? Anytime you hear that song, what do you think? Modern Builds.
0: Mike Montgomery. But oh. then I also got
1: just so tired of hearing that song editing and everything that I just <laughs> had to give up on it. Um Because, yeah, I thought like having a theme song was a cool idea. It kind of structured things to where it was kind of like around a brand identity. But what I didn't think about is everyone in the world has access to that exact same song. Yeah. It can't be a modern builds song when anyone in the world can use it. And I have no, you know, say about it. Um, So an easy, great way of finding really unique music is just go to SoundCloud. There's a lot of really great artists up there. And there's a lot of really great artists that like allow you to use their music. I got contact in contact with a guy named Bonus Points. He's just a college student in like Minnesota, but he makes dope beats, and that's what I use in my videos. Don't go holler at him for music because that's what I use. But go find <laughs> someone. But go find someone that makes music that isn't trying to charge an arm and a leg for it. Maybe they do want you to pay something for it, and that's awesome because they are putting work into it. Maybe they're doing it as a hobby and they just think it would be cool to hear their music, you know, in places. Mm -hmm. But just go find something on SoundCloud, whether you want more, you know, beat type stuff like what I use, more ambient stuff like what Chris uses, whatever it is, SoundCloud. There's everything on there and uh, you can literally get into direct contact with the artist through SoundCloud. So just do that.
2: My my follow up with that mm-hmm. would be whatever agreement you come to, whether you purchase stock music or you come to an agreement with the artist, document it, yeah. save it, yep. and keep that in a safe place. Because I had purchased totally legally, you know, music from uh, a service called Pond Five, uh, so it's like a stock music site. I made sure I had the rights package and all that stuff, um, and uh, you know made sure that I documented it. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I had like a, a copyright infringement notice Ooh. saying that this music belongs to someone else. So it was still annoying. I had to go and like say, Nope, I do have the rights, but I had it all screenshotted. I had all the receipts, the transaction numbers, and I just forward it. Yeah. And remove. So
1: definitely do your dil- due diligence.
2: Right. Yeah. So always make sure you do it. And then if you, when you do get the permission, save that in some sort of archive. Cause you never know when it's gonna come back, and it just it turns uh, a what could be a nightmare into just a minor hassle. Yeah. Um. So yeah, clear those rights. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I whatever music I've used, like somebody's complained about it. Uh, and in general, like uh, I think for I first started out with like much more folksy kind of music. Cause I figured like, oh, this is like making stuff. This is kind yeah. of like it's woodsy. I need some fiddle music. Uh,
0: <laughs> I remember like ragtime music. Yeah.
2: Well, that's yeah. like my, my mom used to always play that, so it was like kind okay. of like an inside, inside family joke. Um, uh-huh. And it was like sort of upbeat, but like kind of old school. So I thought yeah. that was like appropriate for analog. And now I just sort of grab whatever is, I feel is like sort of upbeat and generic kind of elevatory music. But uh, mm-hmm. if anyone has some sort of you know music they they want careful, me to careful, careful. There am goes. No, I'm <laughs> Give I'm it to him for free. <laughs> it it it's guarantees funny too, a thousand likes. I was, uh, I was talking to one of my musician friends, and they have these sort of debates about licensing their music. And some of them say, oh, you should never license it for a commercial. It like, undermines your credibility. And other ones like, dude, I got paid for being in a Samsung commercial. Right?
1: Straight up, yeah. I got, a, I got a guy that I know that did the same thing. It was a Nike commercial. Right. They just used the instrumental of his song, and he got more money than he made on his entire like, previous tour from it.
2: Right, nice. and like, so again, there's no right answer for these things, but uh, when when I look back at, at you know, uh, remember when like Napster? Well, I Mike remember. remember Napster. Uh, I do. I was no, six, doesn't. but I heard right. of it. No. <laughs> and when I look at like Napster, and I, I like Metallica, but <laughs> I like them less after the way they handled that Napster thing. Even though I totally understand, I heard a recent. Uh, interview with James Hetfield and he was very eloquent and he sort of explained what, what they were thinking and he's right. Uh, it was unfair and it wasn't right what was happening to them. But the way they protested it was kind of... Douchey. Not... Yeah, <laughs> it kind of didn't make... It didn't really present their best side. Right. And they didn't really articulate their their reasons for fighting it clearly enough or in a way that was... that showed that they understood the fans' perspective. Um and then you look at like now where musicians are realizing that they do have power. They have power in deciding when their music drops. And they said, oh, well, if these streaming services are making money, why don't we make our own platform? And I think that's, that's the sort of approach to take. It's not to say do this and never do this. It's to say this is what happens when I do this. Do I want that? And then what are my alternatives? And why can't I just do that for myself? Oh, it's too much hassle? Okay, then well, what's the least hassle way to get the most towards my objectives? Um, and just taking a very calm approach where you're looking at the concepts behind things and not just here's the, 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 the paint-by-numbers approach for how other people are doing it, and this is why I should do it. Yeah.
0: Nice. Well, thank you, Leighton, for submitting that question. And if anybody else has voicemail questions, you can record those and send them into modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if they're good ones, we'll answer them on the air.
1: Cool Chris Do we have a hypothetical this week? We do
0: We have a A a fan submitted hypothetical So I'm going to try to nail this guy's name On my first try Ready? Schmitty Warbin Jagen Jensen
1: Nailed it Perfect I think I nailed it (laughs) So
0: he says If you could only use power tools But only build with construction grade pine Or use hand tools with expensive hardwoods For the rest of your life Which would you choose? Power tools All day Power tools (laughs) <laughs> yeah power tools pine all day yeah i really think it's Chris? Uh, you'd be stuck with oh, two yeah. by fours ah uh, okay my short-term answer is the power tools pine because i feel like i i'm really like not all that like crazy about like figuring and grain and all that stuff of the wood for me it's really about like shape that's yeah. that's the main thing that i really focus on so when i look at okay well how can i Quickly, you could use pine plywood. You could use pine plywood. Yeah, it works. But so, so my uh, my initial thinking is: how can I? uh, What's going to be like the least disrupting to me in still being able to produce what I want? And that's what's going to be the least disrupting. If I said, okay, well then I'm just going to really adopt hand tools. I'm sure that you know, in ten years from now, maybe I would be. That would be the smarter decision. Yeah. But still, you know, if you're forcing me to make a decision and and go down one of those paths in the fork in the road right now, I got to say the, the pine and the and the power tools.
1: Yeah, my whole thing is like, I just have no interest in breaking down a sheet of plywood with a handsaw. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there sawing all day.
2: I was actually thinking, because I used a really expensive, big, giant bandsaw to resell this thing. I was thinking, oh yeah. man, that's kind of, I need to show some sort of alternative. So I've been looking for, I've been trying to think, how I could resaw those beams by sort of hand. So I've been looking for like like a 36-inch handsaw with big teeth. Yeah. Because my my plan was, obviously, that would be a ton of work because you guys have seen how those beams (laughs) are ridiculously girthy. Uh, So I was thinking of like having like a barbecue – and just having, setting up, like, screwing down some, like, two-by-fours as guides. So it's sort of like, you know, the saw that's sort of going between. <laughs> Putting and, people and to just, work. And just, like, everyone just takes, like, 15 minutes, like, in the background. I know, like, people have, they'll be like, oh, I can, I can get through this really Do fast. Do, like, a, yeah. a CrossFit. Um, just turn
1: it into a drinking game so I was going
0: to say, like, a CrossFit. What's that called? Like, a circuit training or whatever? And that can be, like, one stop on it as you just, like, saw a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you do the rope yeah. things, then move to the hand <laughs> yeah. saw and- so, so I don't
2: think I'll put that together in time for the video, but I think I will post do that as an experiment at some at some point. I've also yeah. always wanted to try one of those like big two person saws. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the
0: yeah. <laughs> cutting down a tree. Okay. Um, and actually, here he's got a second part to this hypothetical. He says, "Creamy or chunky peanut butter? Chunky." chunky. Chunky. And look, I mean, we're on the same time.
1: I was whenever I was a kid, I I didn't I didn't play around with any uh, crunchy really? peanut butter. Whenever you I was needed a child, that smooth butter. Yeah, I w- I thought it was weird. It was like the texture weirded me out. But man, I I eat like super chunk now.
0: It's like rocks.
1: It's yeah. It's like mostly peanuts, barely any <laughs> butter. <laughs> almond butter is good though too. Give that a shot if you haven't.
0: Shout out almond butter. <laughs> all right, should we uh? We, I don't know if you guys have one, but we haven't done what we're obsessed with in a while. You Ooh, guys have okay. anything? Um, you guys want me to? I can go can. Yeah, go you, go, you go first. Okay. So, I've been paying attention a little bit to sound bars. So, I have this, uh, the where our TV sits in our living room. I built, before I started on YouTube, so not, not on a video, um, it's this really big, long media console. It's like probably... I would say it's almost eight feet long probably. And I never built a base for it. So it's just sitting on the ground and I've had the intention of building a base for it eventually. So I was thinking, Oh, that'd be kind of cool to maybe try like building a base that had the sound bar enclosed inside of it. So I've I've reached I've researched it a little bit and I know ideally you're not supposed to set a sound bar on the ground. I think it's supposed to be kind of like right up a little bit below yeah. or right above the TV to to have the best acoustics. But I'm sure it would still be a pretty big improvement over what I have right now, which is nothing. Yeah, um, and I
2: defy those people to do like a blind hearing test of it yeah. one way or the other. If if those assholes can actually tell the <laughs> difference between it being moved up and down a little bit, like God bless them, but I doubt it.
1: I've had a sound bar on the ground. It sounds totally fine.
2: It does. Okay, there
1: you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't need to worry about it. And know. Mike's
0: an audio file, amongst <laughs> other kind of files. I want oh my lord! What hey, <laughs> hey, in the world? Hey YMCA, buddy. No, on. I'm no. out of here. Golly, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't want to use any word with "file" in it. Yeah, uh, geez. but anyway, yeah. So, so sandpaper. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, but Full no. I think jokes. that's a really cool
1: idea, Chris. That's a neat Well, idea. then I will
0: do it. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I, I have a couple other projects I got to knock out fat first, but that could be a kind of quick one, especially it would be probably just kind of a box with some slits in it to let the sound out. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think that'd be like a cool way to have good sound and, and not be able to see anything. Keep, get a nice, clean, minimalist, minimalist modern look.
1: My current obsession is moonshining. It's not exactly a <laughs> Is that current... like alcohol? Yeah, 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 like making moonshine. Okay. <laughs> Uh, like, a year and a half ago, my dad bought, like, a whole thing to do it. And we've, like, made quite a bit of moonshine with it. But I've always just, like, gave it, like, he's taking the lead. He's the one, like, getting all the materials, doing everything. I'm just, like, the extra set of hands and, like, uh tester you know what i mean Uh, yeah just drink it yeah yeah but for father's day i was like ooh, you know i'm gonna take all this into my own hands and like get 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 everything we need to do a batch and all that kind of nonsense so that's what i've been like heavy researching and like doing all that kind of stuff with so in the next couple weeks uh i'll let you know how it goes i've got all the materials shipping to me so all the yeast and all the all the whatnots that go along with it but nice Moonshine, it's cool. <laughs> All
2: right. Couple things. Well, so, one alcohol-related is uh, Japanese whiskeys are Whoa. exceptional. Uh, That's not like sake, is it? No, it's uh, okay. Uh, uh, I highly recommend Nika, N I K K A coffee. It's like not coffee. Like do you drink coffee? It's like a, It's the name of a distilling process. Um, the Nika Coffee Grain Whiskey. It's not cheap. But it is amazing. Hmm. Um, I've gone through a lot of it. Uh, it's like it's like whenever it's I have people over, been pretty rough at the Ueda house. <laughs> yeah, it's, whenever I have people over, I always like oh, you got to try this, and they're like, this is great, and then we like kill the bottle. It. No. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's it's incredible. It also has really nice packaging, which I'm a sucker for. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is a TV show, uh, and I just finished season two of Fargo, which mm. is excellent. Uh, it's also one of those like anthology type shows, which I'm fond of from like a time commitment standpoint, where each season is sort of a standalone, like mi- like uh, mini series kind of movie. So it's like I think like eight or ten episodes. Uh, I saw season one. Season one was great. Season two was exceptional. Um, so you could totally start with just season two and get it. It's It's really, really well done. It's contained. You watch one season. It has, like, completion. You're not being, like, strung out to the next season after that. Yeah. Uh, If you need something to binge watch, highly recommend Fargo season two.
0: Nice. Nice. Got to check it out. All right. should uh, Should we put this puppy to bed?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Ben, give us that outro this time.
2: All right. So we're all on social media. You should be following us, all of us by now. We do lots of cool stuff there. Chris is learning how to post videos on Instagram. So I'm almost get there. So <laughs> like, so
1: go give his video a share on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, please Yes.
2: Also, <laughs> make it worth my time. Leave us some reviews and I haven't figured out what we'll do for you, but this is like, kind of like where we ask for free work. No, I was kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> leave, leave us some reviews and ask some questions in it. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, ask Mike some real personal questions about, <laughs> yeah, do it, man. I'm, I'll open up. I'll open up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, it's nice to have that interaction. Uh, we yeah. definitely check it out. We definitely read it, um, and uh, we appreciate it when we do get them. So ask us questions there, and also uh, go back and binge watch all of our old YouTube videos. Yeah, I was just looking at them. We all we have a lot, and like yeah, lot I, stuff, somehow man. I thought like I'd watched all of yours, Mike's, uh-huh. um, and then I was like, "There's Bro, a they there's get a few
1: don't go all the way to the beginning of mine. Go to like, go to like halfway through and just quit. Because
0: just they, watch them in reverse.
1: Yeah, there you go. Start watch from them now get and worse. and watch them digress.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch them fall apart.
2: Yes. You and know also, what? the other thing we haven't solicited from the audience uh, recently is ideas for show topics. If okay. there's something that you want us to go sort of deep on, or something something you want us to really break down in the world of either sort of YouTube. or... Making related media or making a design itself uh you know feel free to 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 suggest something also another thing we're not we all like each other, so we're not that afraid of sort of teasing each other and get getting contentious so if you see that there's something that like one of us does that's totally different than the other one, uh feel free to point that out and and use that to start a discussion as well, yeah, yep. The
0: other We're thing I'll like say: the
2: first take of making. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. If you uh, if you do a, a five star review and you leave a question, either copy and paste it and send it to us an email or take a screenshot because it's sometimes it's kind of hard to go through all the reviews and find them. You have to like keep hitting load more, load more, load more to get to the new ones because it re, it puts them in, oh, in chronological order. order. Yeah, from the yeah. first one. So yeah, do that to make it a better chance that we'll actually see your question.
1: Awesome, thanks guys. All right.
0: right. See you on the weekend.
1: Bye. Come see me in Tulsa. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be building stuff. Everyone's going to be building stuff. It's going to be dope.
2: All right. Go see Mike. It's going to be dope.
0: Bye. Later. Bye.